Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. Um, I'm really loving this new series that I've started. Um, well, I've started two different kinds of series. One is 3D Conversations, where I go um, and have deeper conversations about a very specific topic with sometimes people that have already been on the podcast and sometimes uh, new people. And then the new, what I'm calling Manologues, uh, which is just me talking about something for 20 or 30 minutes. Um, just as a monologue. So um, as you listen to this, uh, these episodes, I would love your feedback. Um, and as always, please share, like, comment, review, all of that stuff helps uh, get the word out about what I'm doing here with The Third Way. So today I'm joined by a friend of mine, uh, Mario Lanzarotti, and I'm going to have Mario say his last name himself in just a moment, uh, because he's an Italian, he's Italian and says it so much cooler than my gringo uh, a, a tongue. So uh, Mario is a high-performance coach, a TEDx speaker, and the founder of the Zenpreneur Movement. And I was on his podcast, which I'll link to uh, a couple months ago. He specializes in guiding entrepreneurs to scale their, scale their businesses while maintaining inner peace, which is an interesting contrast. And he also helps uh, business owners uh, globally to double their income in half the time using higher states of consciousness. And part of the reason I wanted Mario on is that sometimes there's a spectrum between like corporate and woo-woo, and it's very rare. I mean, my friend Kelly Campbell's one of these exceptions, um, but it's very rare to find someone that is kind of in the middle of that corporate side and the woo-woo side. And I would was very excited for my conversation. So welcome, Mario. Justin, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for uh, attempting to honor my name and giving me the opportunity to do it myself all right go for it <laughs> so the italian pronunciation is mario lanzarotti yeah that's cool i just know about <laughs> it. yeah italian accents and australian accents at least in the united states you know you're somebody's going to give you something if you talk like that so right <laughs> <laughs> so um just for context before we get into the 3d component to this is um remind me where you live now Ger is it germany that you live so at this point of the recording, I'm speaking to you from Brooklyn, uh, oh, New York. Okay. All and, right. Uh, in two days, I will be flying back home, which now is Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, all right. Well, I was way off. You were in Germany <laughs> at some point, though, right? I was. I, I was born in Germany. I lived right. in Germany until 25, and then I permanently left the country and I emigrated to the United States and lived here for four years. Okay, great. That's great. And how long have you been um, serving as a you know business coach? How long have you done that? So I, I full time since 2019, and I'd say on the side since 2016. And do you remember the? Was there a specific what I sometimes call back of the napkin moment? You know where you're like you could jot it down. You're like ooh. Here's, this is a good idea. Was there a back of the napkin moment where you're like, I think I want to do a different kind of coaching, business coaching, or did, was it something that you, that kind of gradually came to you through testing or, or experiment, experimentation? That's a great question. Something I haven't really thought about, but as you asked it, I think it was a gradual process and it really stemmed from my own experiences with higher states of consciousness, specifically meditation and psychedelics. Because for me, I've always looked for ways to 
to improve whatever I was doing to just become more efficient and effective in the way that I work and the way that I use the time that I have. And I recognized that whenever I was doing the inner work through meditation, through also through coaching, uh, being coached by other coaches and them psychedelics, I recognized that the time that it would take me to go from A to B would start to shrink. And I didn't really understand why. I just sort of, you know, thought, okay, this is just part of the process. I didn't really sit down to think about it. And then over time, as I reflected more and I was reflected by other people and coaches, I started to realize, realize that because I was doing the inner work, I became a lot more effective and efficient. And mm -hmm. the challenge that I had initially was how do you how do you communicate this to business people? Because just like you said in the beginning, most that hear this stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, this is some woo-woo shit. Like, I don't have time for that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, you know, this is more for my wife, uh, whatever. Like, it's a little bit belittling it. Yes. And I used to do the same thing many, many years ago because I just didn't understand any of it. And as you know, usually the people that belittle things are just insecure. And I was very insecure myself. And so I had to, why well, I, I chose to let it marinate and see what is a way that I can find to really communicate it so that people get it. That a majority of business owners are like, ah, of course, I get that. And so that's how I got to the whole Zen approach. Because when mm -hmm. you say Zen, people understand Zen. Okay, that means relaxed. That means balanced. That means peaceful, restful. I understand that. So now, how do we bring Zen into the business environment? Mm -hmm. And that's when it started to click. And I'll, I'll stop here because I'm sure you have a bunch of questions for me. <laughs> no, but that's so fascinating. Um, yeah, how... It's an interesting challenge um, where soul language, if you will, does not go, does not jive with marketing language often. No. Um, now it should, and it can with some deliberation, but you got to know who you are, who your audience is, how you can really serve them. You got to get, get out of treating them like a, a piece of machinery or a piece of meat, you know, and have to understand, and you got to be willing to do the own work your own work related to whatever you're, whatever you're selling. Um, and I love that. I think there's some sort of refining challenge um, to say, how is the, how's the language to explain this in a way that is not oversimplification or condescending to sounding, you know, word salads and you know, bullshit bingo selling like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And especially now that the wellness and consciousness has become an industry and I'm not, saying that um, everyone in the wellness industry in the consciousness industry is like this but there's but that but like any industry it's pulled to the bottom by the grifters and the charlatans and the posers and the bullshitters yeah. and and language elevates that conversation back to a sense of like oh okay that's different that's unique yeah. and 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 then you can have the conversation about value um and I love how you combine that hardcore, like some, like, it's funny because with there's, there's something I call a 10 X bro, um, which is sort of related to burning man, bro, which, which is their, their <laughs> performance related, uh, but in sort of a, well, just a bro -y way. And so when normally when somebody would say like, I'm going to double your business or whatever, I'd be like, okay. Or somebody said, you're gonna we're going to manifest the future for you and but, okay but you put these together and now you got my attention um 
and so that's 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 very unique. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into the first D of the deep dive. Uh, give the listeners a, 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 a just a rundown, a stream of consciousness, if you will, about what consciousness is, especially as it relates to being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So that's a great question. And I used to tell myself that I know all of it about it and, you know, there's not much more for me to learn. Now I can just tell you that as much as I know, which is a tiny, tiny spectrum of this incredibly grandiose thing that we call consciousness, the way that I like to explain it is to really make it simple. So imagine this way. Consciousness to me is a frequency band. It's like you can tap into a state of consciousness, which I call, which is known as the hustle and grind consciousness, where you are coming from a forceful energy. You're trying to enforce an outcome. You're pushing. You're, you're, you don't allow any nuances of things that you do not expect for them to happen. You just plow through. And so that band of frequency is at a lower state. Mm-hmm. which means when you're at that lower state, you're tapping into that se- that sense of consciousness, which is really it's an awareness. Like consciousness is something that's already o- always has been and always will be. It's always there. So it's not something that we achieve. Right. And this is, this is so crucial to understand for entrepreneurs and high performers because their very nature is all about, I don't have, therefore I have to. They have to go out and get it which is all part of the hustle and grind. So now if you look at the material world, let's just take money. If you're like, yeah, but I don't have the money. What do you mean? Tell me you just like be the money. It's like, well, I understand that there is time that, that is passing in this 3D reality. However, in the 5D reality where consciousness really exists, from what I understand is you do not have to go out and do something. You tap into it. It's right there to give mm-hmm. you an example like to your listeners and viewers right now, right? There is the, there's a consciousness of stress. There's the consciousness of peace. Mm-hmm. If you take three deep breaths in and out through the nose right now, you just keep breathing deeply. It doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account, but you can't help yourself to move towards that frequency band of peace. Mm-hmm. Nothing in your external environment changed. Right. Your wife, your wife or husband is the way they are. Your kids are the way they are. Your boss is the way your boss is. Nothing changes. The only thing that is changing is that you're tapping into something that's already there. Peace is already there. Peace is not something you have to go out and find and achieve and create. No, you tap into it. How do you tap into it? By aligning your mind and body with that. And Mm -hmm. so I think this is really important to understand because once you get it, you're like, it's like switching a a channel on the, on your TV. And most entrepreneurs, they constantly are on the hustle and grind channel Mm -hmm. because they don't know a different way of operating. And so when you switch to the peace channel, a, a variety of things will start to change in your life. Mm-hmm. You will no longer re- you will no longer revert to the chaotic nature of entrepreneurship. This whole thing of like, okay, I need to make sure that there's a fire, there's a fire, there's a fire, there's a fire. So I have this sense of urgency for me to go out and take action. Mm-hmm. And for me, urgency 
comes from a realization that there's always now. Everything always is now. And if, always, if everything is always now, then everything that we're delaying is not an acknowledgement of the now, but it's moving into the future or into the past. Mm-hmm. And so we're creating all of these reasons to constantly be on the go, 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 go mode. And that yeah. is eroding your sense of focus, your sense of creativity, your sense of being able to perceive abundance. And that's a big fancy word, abundance. But imagine this. Imagine you're sitting on a plane and for some reason, you know, you're sitting in first class or business class and you're sitting over here and to your right, there's a person that is a CEO of a big company. And if you connect with that person, there is a chance for you to create an opportunity that's going to set you up for for good, like you're good. But you're currently going through a reality that says, oh my God, the plane's going to crash. Oh my God, the plane's going to crash. Oh my God, the plane's going to crash. And so you're sitting in that. So what happens when you are in that mindset, when you're in that consciousness, your peripheral view of what's around you starts to narrow down. So even though you're sitting to a multi-million dollar opportunity, you can't see it. It's impossible for you to see it. So by default, even though abundance is always there right now, everywhere, all the time, it's impossible for you to tap into it. Why? Because you're so dialed in on scarcity. You're so dial, dialed in on fear. So that's why realizing that consciousness is not something that you achieve, but something you tap into anywhere you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what your skin color looks like, your gender looks like, doesn't matter. None, none of it matters. It just matters that you understand that you can and that you know how to. Right. It's interesting what you're saying, Mario, because um, I I I use mindfulness to understand what's real. That's what I use it for. Um, and I think what happens is, 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 is it's this combination of, um, you know, basically brain science, reptilian, mammalian, and the neocortex is there's things affecting our nervous system. That's a reptilian and mammalian level. And then there's the stories that we're telling ourselves about, about something. So you look at this, I encourage people to take this kind of self-assessment that say, say negativity or pessimism mm. is almost always the symptom of our thoughts, not our conditions. Now, right. heartbreak and grief are two exceptions to that. And there are other exceptions as far as negative feelings. Um, and so you think yourself as an entrepreneur, and I think this is the fixation on data. Because data is comfortable, data is comforting, you know, to a certain extent. Even though how you see that number, or the see the data, is wildly different depending on your level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it 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 and so if you are in a state of low consciousness and um, your brain is operating as if you might die, what I call it is possum mode. You know those little scavenger animals. Mm-hmm. You're in possum mode. You're just trying to scrape to get the next thing. Mm-hmm. Been there. Been doing this for 20 years. Have days, have possum days, possum moments, you know, where I'm like, oh, oh shit, you know. Um, or you get in predator mode, which is the when you combine that with a type of arrogance, which is that that you can you can mind fuck people to get what you want because that's just the game. It's one of my criticisms with Robert Greene's stuff. I like most of his stuff, but it's the the Machiavellian side of some of these practices that I push back against because they lack a moral compass. Um, And so 
the way I look at this too is we're all, and this is more on the spiritual side and less on sort of the neurosciences. Imagine like a quadrant or a, a, a horizontal line. Above that line is the positive, positive, and below the line is negative. And then a, a splitting line, a vertical line that on one side is masculine, the other side is feminine. And most people in Western culture, Western uh, Western culture, at least in the United States, operate at a low conscious masculine level, regardless of gender. Um, sometimes they operate on a low conscious feminine, which is, um, and, and that can be described, low conscious masculine is people controlling, low conscious feminine is people pleasing. Um, you get above that line, which requires doing that inner work that you're talking about, you see everything differently. You, and and then, and this is the final point, at least related to what I'm reacting to from what you shared, is that you're changing by what you see, it changes the story. So you could see the same amount, dollar amount in your bank account. You could still have the same um, you know, customer that's kind of an asshole to deal with. But if your consciousness is higher, you your behavior changes. Totally. And there's this is where you get into like, your intention drives your mindset, which produces your emotions, which produces your behavior, which produces your results. And the only way I know to get into the intention level is mindfulness, to get down to what is real right now. And then I can decide what I think about it and I can decide what I feel about it. And then I can decide what to do about it. And it, it is truly a choose your own adventure versus a choose your own misery. That's the choice that I think consciousness does for an entrepreneur. I, I especially the last point that you made is really really good is the way that I like to look at it is we're always choosing all the time everybody every one of us the the power that we want and power in the sense of not force but power in the sense of being able to realize the life that you truly genuinely want is to be able to make a conscious choice mm -hmm. because unless you can make conscious choices you are doomed to repeat whatever you've been conditioned to. And that's throwing a coin. You might say, I grew up in a beautifully nurturing environment where my parents taught me to be kind to anybody around me, no matter what they look like, no matter how old they are, doesn't matter. Just like you might have that, but that's very, very, very few people in the world. Right. And even, and even in that is like, you're a unique expression of consciousness you're a unique human being so don't you want to explore how you can turn that uniqueness into a gift in the world so the the number one thing that you need to be able to do is you need to be able to increase the amount of conscious choices that you make on, a, on a, any daily given basis and the way you do it is by first of all record by becoming aware you first of all you have to become aware of what you think and what you feel mm -hmm. and if those don't align if those come from a place of fear, of control, of manipulation, then you know that's leading you down a very dark path. Because when you're operating in that state, your nervous system is now goes into fight or flight. And this is why it's so hard to change for most of us. Mm -hmm. Because the brain, uh, the mind is, a, is geared towards keeping things the same. Because it operates from a from a standardized identity, right? I am who I tell myself I am. And so the mind wants to keep that in, in alignment because the brain is focused on keeping you alive and conserving energy. And any amount of change goes in a direct conflict with that.
Mm-hmm. So when you activate, unconsciously activate this fight or flight system, your brain and your mind will go back to familiar patterns because that yeah. allows it to conserve energy. That's why people stay in toxic relationships. That's why right. people keep working, uh, keep undervaluing their, themselves with clients that they shouldn't be working with. That's why they right. stay in job environments that are not conducive to uh, a thriving life. Why? Because uncertainty in their mind is way more dangerous than, you know, just changing, uh, just keeping going with the life that they have. And so mm-hmm. that's why making a conscious change, especially for entrepreneurs, is the thing that they need to focus on most of their attention and time because right. that gives you power to change your behavior. And when you change your behavior, over time, you change the results that you're creating right. in, in, any, in any area of your life. Yeah, exactly. And I think even working backwards from the result that you want, both the result of like a resulting feeling, I want to feel um, accomplished, or I want to feel um, like, you know, like my family's taking care of whatever that feeling is, you know, uh, whatever, to, to whatever other endpoint that you have, it is always um, that old Socratic idea that your mindset produces your results. Now, there's elements of that where that's not necessarily true if you're in a like an impoverished state in a you know a country without a lot of opportunities. But if you're in a if you're a, an entrepreneur in a almost any country in the world, your mindset is producing the results directly indirectly through um, that that just that process, almost kind of like a, a, a consciousness physics spiral similar to spiral dynamics. Um, so. There's a tool that, and I'm curious, I'm going to throw mine out and then I'd love to hear if you have any other specific kind of starter tools. One I learned a while ago uh, from a guy named Jason Gaddis, who's a relationship coach. It's called Nestor. And it's like this, because you talk about, you got to get here, you got to like check in. And it's, uh, it's the number on a scale of one to zero to 10 about how anxious you are or what, you know, or whatever number you want to track, but that was the one he chooses. Um, what are you feeling emotionally? That's the E. What's your sensation, like tuning into your body and what your body's saying? Uh, then the T is your thought. What what are, What's the dominant thoughts you're having? And the R are the immediate available resources. And that R is in particularly important to get out of fight or flight. It's like, what am I working with here? And I point out, like, if someone, um, if someone's like, um, they end up on a washed on a deserted island, they, the first thing you're supposed to do, or if you're in a survival situation, the first thing you're supposed to do is take inventory with of what you have. Mm. Um, and I think you're in, we're in that constant go mode, which is its own kind of addiction. And then that we don't consider these things. And then we wonder why we have self-destructive behavior or unhealthy coping mechanisms. Let all, even if we're like on paper and in the bank, you know, massively successful. Mm. So do you have any particular tools like that, that you, I mean, again, I don't expect you to give it away when you're selling it, but is there anything in particular that is, that you find useful besides breath to have a starting point for, for, for becoming a more conscious entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, there's, I would say there are short-term and there are long-term habits to to cultivate on the short term there's uh, there's something that is known as the stop technique which is first of all you got to stop whatever you're doing this mm-hmm. is i think this is the this is such an important um 
act that entrepreneurs and business owners can take because most of us were so in the in the flow of things in the zone of things that we do not take a step back so stop what you're doing and always start with a breath very simple breathing in and out through the nose just like i did now i would even recommend that you schedule in times in your calendar or whatever tool you have to give you reminders to take a one to two minute breather break Mm -hmm. to just sit to just sit with nothing to fiddle with in your hands both feet planted firmly on the ground and just take deep breaths in and out through the nose Mm -hmm. and the, the more often you do that the more peaceful whatever you're doing becomes See, this is something that I've recognized. I've done, my wife is a breathwork facilitator and I've done a lot of breathwork with her and through other seminars and and, and teachings. And I've started teaching it myself and I've noticed how my breathing pattern has changed altogether. Even during a workout, I rarely breathe through the mouth. Mm -hmm. I'm just taking deep breaths in, in and out through the belly. And so de- doing these breaths is, is crucial. There's nothing more powerful that I have myself experienced. So in and back to the stop technique. So the S is for, you know, stop what you're doing. T, uh, the, the, the T is for take a breath. And then O, and this is what I think, this is what I've known has created the greatest sense of awareness is to observe. Because what is it that you're taught from personal development and self-development? You're, you're taught that you need to change. Yeah, there's some exactly fix right there's something wrong with you so i think one of the one of the reasons why my tedx talk blew up with 1.3 million views is because of the perspective that i shared to personal development right. because everybody tells you fear is wrong self-doubt is wrong anxiety is wrong imposter syndrome is wrong whatever fancy name you want to give to all of these sensations they're all wrong the moment you can then Anything in the world is wrong. Doesn't matter what it is. You're creating inner resistance. Mm-hmm. You have it's like you have a have a little fighter inside of you that goes, mm, mm, mm-hmm. and you think you're brought up in the idea that that fight actually leads to resolution, right? But it doesn't. It, doesn't. it just creates more stress. It creates yeah. more anxiety. You might use this short term like this forceful energy of like, yes, yes, like Tony Robbins, like, yes, 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 that kind of thing. And you create short-term bumps, but you always come back to the same place, which is it's not enough. It's never enough. So in the stop, the O is observe. And what you do is when you sit there and you're feeling that anxiety coming up because you just chanked your bank, bank account and you're like, oh God, you know, and you're not hitting your targets for the month. You want to breathe and you just want to observe what's going on in my head. Mm-hmm. What voices are playing out? And, you don't, and don't analyze it. Right. There's one rule that I always use is <laughs> never argue with your own mind. Because right. if you do, this is going to happen. Oh, my God, I'm not hitting my targets. Yeah, but that's okay, man. You got it. You just read that motivational book. Yeah, but right. you're just telling yourself that. <laughs> you have all these perspectives going back yes. and forth. And then what? You're exhausted. After right. that, you're just oh, you're just like I can't do this anymore. So instead, observe. Just look at the thoughts, like as if you're looking at clouds. And then once you do that, then look at the body. What's happening inside of the body? And I would not label it. I wouldn't say, oh, I feel the anxiety. I would just say, oh, I feel a sensation in my chest. Yeah. How does that sensation feel? It feels heavy. Okay, can I be with the heaviness? Mm-hmm. And when you can be with the heaviness, guess what? You might encounter some strong emotions. You might cry. 
Mm-hmm. Or you might not, or it might it might subside, and then it might move into the stomach. And then once you've been within the stomach, it might move into the shoulder. And right. it continues to move. And you can use the scale that you proposed, sort of from 1 to 10, and you can ask yourself, how strong is the sensation? Oh, it's a 10. Oh, okay, it's a 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep being with it. Keep observing it. Keep breathing. Where is it now? Oh, it's a 7. Great. Keep doing it. Keep doing that. That's the way I do one-on-one with my clients. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, Justin, this this stuff works like magic. You don't have to fix anything. don't have to change anything. You're just learning to be with yourself. And then once you do that, the P is proceed. Essentially, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. proceed consciously. Proceed with a conscious choice, right? You sit at the desk and you've just done all of that. And then you've looked at your bank account and your anxiety wants you to go just double down, cancel all dinner plans, work hard, work hard. Mm -hmm. You might take a step back and say, okay, what would be a wise decision now? Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me call my buddy Justin. Justin, I, I need to have a conversation with you. And then Justin might give you an idea, and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. There it is. So that's yeah. what I would propose, for, for at least for for short term. That's cool. Thank you for that. I think um, it's also, I believe, and I wrote about this in um, on our massive um, substack. I'll link to the, the, uh, the article in the show notes that, I think there are three kinds of consciousness. Um, there's what I would call like mental consciousness, which is something that we all have. Like you said, everything you said, I would put that in the mental consciousness bucket. There's also social consciousness. That's kind of an awareness that we're all connected and that um, it's the ability to see patterns and problems. Sort of uh, Virginia, my partner calls it systemic consciousness as well. And you can have like, social consciousness and really care about humanity and still m- burn out and martyr yourself. Um, right. It's quite possible to do that. And then you have spiritual consciousness. And this is the one that is the most kind of hard to describe in my view, but it's, the, it's where the epiphanies, what, what, what Rick Rubin talks about this kind of spiritual conf, um, uh, consciousness or Stephen Pressfield. Um, and it's like, you're tapping into like the m- mystical realm and which sounds woo, woo woo, but there's something, there is something that happens. And, and, and so I would say there's someone like, someone like, uh, like, uh, Krista Tippett, who's the on being podcast, very spiritually conscious. And then Sam Harris, very intellectually conscious, but an atheist doesn't really believe thinks everything is related to consciousness as a connected state. And he's got a scientific reason for it. And I think there's so many lessons to draw from that, from those different kinds of consciousness and apply them to being an entrepreneur. There's going to be times as an entrepreneur, you're going to need some version of faith. Now, it may not be faith in a higher power. I'm not saying that, but it is a faith that that your heart or your soul is moving you where you're supposed to go. Um, and, and And there's at times you're going to need social consciousness, too. And I guess I'm downloading all that to say, um, you know, mental consciousness is, is, I I don't know how, I know you can do it, but I don't know how you can be a happy entrepreneur without getting your mental shit together because everything starts there. Mental, you get your mind still, then you can get into your heart and then you can take action. And I think without that, it becomes it becomes about power 
really. It just becomes about power acquisition and the using of power to try to chase away those fears and doubts. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a post that I read the other day, which I really agree with. And that's like entrepreneurship is a trauma expression. Yes. <laughs> and I have, I, to this day, I haven't met a single entrepreneur who didn't kick off their path for entrepreneurship out of a trauma, myself included. Same. And and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing or it's a wrong thing, not at all. Um, what I am saying is at some point you need to make a shift mm -hmm. because you can use that as a kickoff to say, you know what, I've been hurt so bad that I'm now taking that pain and I want to create something, uh, something unique, something to express myself. And oftentimes for me, it was, I want to prove myself. And that I need to prove myself led me down a path of depression, chronic yes. back pain, drug addiction, anxiety attacks, you name it. And then I realized that I was being driven by scarcity, by trauma, by trying to make up for something that happened in my in my childhood. And when I healed that, my drive didn't go away. Mm. That's the fear that so many entrepreneurs yes. have. Yes. Right? They're like, but so if I do all this work, you know, yes. it's like, uh, yeah. then what drives me? And I'm like, bro, <laughs> or girl, it's like, you don't know what you're missing out. Right. Like once you clear out the trauma, that's when inspiration comes through. That's exactly. when that's when that connection to this greater whatever is is coming through. And I am still working most of the time, but I don't feel burned out. I don't feel stressed. I don't feel anxious. You know, like I have moments, just like you said earlier, moments. And then I recognize them and I have a conversation with my wife and I work with things with my coach, but it's quick. And so now it's peace. It's that yes. I do what I do because I choose to consciously not because i have to not because i must not because i think it will get me something that i don't already have it's a form of play it's like yeah. i'm having fun i'm having fun all, all most of the time and that to me is really what makes you unstoppable in life that's right yes and you realize too that this consciousness we're always scrambling for resources and you know who do you know and leads and and that's all true that's all true but you have this enormous, enormous resource right there, ready to be accessed. Right. Um, and I think that um, I think that the other factor here, and I love, I'm so glad you brought up trauma and the fact that often being an entrepreneur is a trauma response. And what that means is being an entrepreneur is traumatic. So you're repeating the same patterns, even if it's a right. different condition and you've trained your brain. Most people that are trauma survivors are resilient they're oh, yeah. super resilient but resiliency and success are not they, they're separate things you you can be super resilient and still be super poor too you know and and i think another factor here is neurodivergence and the fact that i'm now realizing you know this kind of overlapping circles that consciousness mindfulness has helped me be like look at it back to your to, to the o and stop Oh, this is because I'm low on dopamine. This is why I have a need to like uh, my ADHD symptoms are way up. Or this is oh, this is an old trauma response. Um, and I, you know you could you, and and so you could start to see which part of your brain, if you will, is 
influencing you. And you can't do that without mindfulness. It, there's a there's a, an exercise that I've done with many people over the years over since and since I've started my own mindfulness practice 10 years ago is I they they give and this kind of leads into the second D about debunking so they ask they're like I don't get it I can't meditate I don't understand mindset I said okay mm. um so what are you thinking about right now well I'm thinking about that got to go to the grocery store this and this and that okay and what are you feeling right now oh I'm feeling sad or anxious excited whatever all right. Who's watching? <laughs> Who's watching? And you can see if I'm in person or on Zoom, you can see them go, holy shit. I'm like, that's all you need to know to start with is that you are not your thoughts and feelings. Right. Um, but most of the world operates as and it's encouraged to if, if to operate as if you are your thoughts and feelings. Yeah. So that that second D then about debunking the some of the mythologies or bullshit about this like what do you what do you run into that is kind of consistent criticism I mean you're going to get skepticism because that's normal but what kind of pushback criticism where where you are hearing you know people are basically disparaging you for this idea of being a Zenpreneur what what do you what do you hear from people mm. I don't have time. For this it's like it's a later thing um and it doesn't work for me mm. and and the oh yeah the biggest one is um i need to know how to do <laughs> yes. it i yeah. need to tell me tell me how to do it tell me how to fix it right? yeah. this is constant okay okay so what do i do now mm. and the, the the thing is this is not about doing it's about being and mm -hmm. there are, I like to make a distinction between two types of consciousness. There's the victim consciousness and there's the creator consciousness. Mm -hmm. And the victim consciousness is basically my, envir my, my environment tells me who I am. And because of, it tells me who I am and controls how I think and feel. And the other one is I determine who I am. And so I shape my environment based on who I am. And so who you are being in any given moment determines your actions. Mm -hmm. Albert Einstein said, you can't fix a problem with the same level of thinking or consciousness that created it. Right. Yet that's it, that's what 99% of the people are, the entrepreneurs are doing, right? Once they're through, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, sounds great, sounds great. Okay, what do I do now? It's like, mm -hmm. who's asking you? Yeah. Like, just like to your point, like, who's asking you? It's yeah. still the same same person that I had a conversation with 10 minutes ago. You haven't learned anything. You're yeah. not listening. You're yeah. not here. You're just waiting for me to drop you the three steps to peace and abundance and prosperity. And then you're trying to replicate them from the scarcity methodology that you've been using your entire life. And then you come back, yeah, I've tried it and this just doesn't work out for me. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you haven't, you haven't learned anything. You know, it's like, you need to slow down and you need to, first of all, be with all of the stuff that you've been trying to avoid being with for your entire life. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, you know, none of it is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, you know, when I talk about consciousness and business, um, which I do a lot, I, I get a, um, some pushback that, um, that doesn't belong in business. That's, uh, that's, um, you know, that's like, there's a sort of, um, condescending, like, oh, yeah, you know, the little and belittling. Now I will say 
some of it is merited because you do get the caricature of like the business shaman. He's got a man bun and he comes in and rubs <laughs> crystals on your PL reports, you know, that that there's a reason that sure. the, the, the well the consciousness industry has some of the reputation because there are yeah. those bullshitters out there. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that one of the big things too is that I don't think you can um I'll put it this way. I don't think you can practice mindfulness and stay the same person. And if someone is, as their identity is around being an entrepreneur and underneath that is the subtext of sort of a victim or, 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 or an overachiever or something along those lines, that's sort of a wounded archetype that they've created. And you're asking them to give that up. You're asking their ego to lose the thing, which it most fears, which is exactly. the identity. Exactly. And I think this goes into... Why, why I direct a lot of people to read David Hawkins' stuff with his map of mm. consciousness, because most people are operating at below the courage line. I, he doesn't call it that. I call it that. It's like on the middle, the courage. And the very, if you look at, and I can link to it in the show notes, but if you look at the map of consciousness and everything above courage line and above, you need that shit to be an awesome entrepreneur, but you're operating down below under comparison and pettiness and drama and dishonesty and manipulation mm -hmm. all the way down to the bottom, which is shame. And not coincidentally, at the very top of the consciousness map is, 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 is enlightenment and the, thus the Zen. And so I'm, I, you know, I, there's these stories that people have within themselves about who they think they are that become the mythologies about it. I think another one too is that you can do this on a week, like one weekend, I'm going to go, you know, and if you have some money, I'm going to go to Peru. I'm going to sit with the mother and I'm going to come <laughs> back in person. And, and I, and whenever I hear people doing like repeated trips like that, I'm like, what are you, what are you trying to fix? Because this right. shit doesn't fix things. It just reveals things. Right. And so there's that, or that's the, you know, the yoga retreat industry, not against yoga, not against retreats, but like, you're not going to come and figure out your life in one weekend Yep. drinking wine and sitting on a yoga mat um so what else do you see out there that's kind of in the mythology that needs to be debunked or something where you just maybe want to call bullshit on something related yeah to i i think i think there's a big one that i see especially for men is this stuff is weak this stuff you know it's it makes me weak um yeah. and it couldn't be further from the truth yes. right it's like it's this <clears throat> Give me one second. Okay, talking about vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> now we're back. Um, so there's this incessant fear that I see, especially from men and also from women that are hyper masculine. Yeah. They're just this avoidance of wanting to tap into their body because of the mess that it brings up and this work will require you to be vulnerable there's no way around it just there's just no way around it. if you don't want to be vulnerable then you will miss out on an extreme growth spurt in your life right. and to your point also in terms of the the i call it ceremony hopping um, yeah. I've done, I've done that. I had periods in my life where it's okay. I got another one, another one. And then I arrived. I remember the moment in Peru on the, just wiped out on the floor, looking into the ceiling and just this, this, this clarity is like, dude, 
what are you doing? You right. know what you need to do. What else do you right. need to be shown? Because my thing was, as part of an expression of I need to prove myself, I needed to find deeper, darker depths yes. that I could climb <laughs> into so I could climb back out and say, oh, look yeah. at me. Yes. I am the holy divine yes. entrepreneur. I have the, the water of truth. And I was like, bro, this is just bullshit. It's like, right. just stop doing it. Be it. Just a be it. So I've been focusing a lot on just integration, integration, integration. And my need and desire to even go to ceremonies has been vanished completely. And yeah. so I think there's a, and this is why there's a shift of, of leadership happening in the world towards more of a feminine uh, expression of leadership, which I think is great. Yeah. And men can really just profit from that in so many ways i have done that you know and now it's still not easy for me to tap into vulnerability just at will but it gets easier and easier and easier and now when i'm feeling something i i process it the other day one of my mentors is struggling with severe stage of cancer mm. i called him and i looked at him and it was just horrible to look at him and I, I felt all of the things coming up from like the past i should be richer, stronger, smarter, better, because if that was the case, I could help him. And I could feel all of that coming up. I could hear it. And mm -hmm. so I I meditated on it. And I just cried. And I let it all come out. It all come out. And afterwards, it was cleared. Right. And I felt so different. Yeah. And related to that too, when we when when you talk about vulnerability, you know, that's a it's a beautiful thing that Brene Brown has made a thing, you know, now mm -hmm. in, in especially in business. But it's missing something that people, vulnerability is not a one time, like you're going to confess, like there's an episode of Suits where right. Kirby comes in and apologizes and talks about panic attacks and stuff, and then kind of goes back to being a hard ass. Yeah. That's, not, that's not, I mean, that's vulnerable behavior, but vulnerability yeah. is a state of being right. where this is the thing is too, where you're, this is my definition of vulnerability is where you're not afraid of your own feelings. Mm. and if you and that's the thing too and this is most common with men is they're terrified of their feelings the yeah. social conditioning um mostly that is and there's a reason for that because if you're in a life or death situation your feelings could get you killed of course but most of the time we're not in a life or death situation we're not in combat we're not like running from bears or something um right. most of the time we're just trying to figure out you know how to make me you know make money or have a lifestyle but that's not life or death yeah. Um, and so what I also noticed too, it's kind of a mythology is that people are trying to apply using Maslow's model, self-actualization with a first tier survival mindset. Like they're trying to jump past or they go the other way, they go down. They, they're like in the middle, this is what privilege is and the concept of affluenza where an existential crisis and all of that was, those are all an invitation to raise your consciousness. Right. You know, that's and that's a, I think that's another myth of, that needs to be debunked is that you need to that I'm good. I'm you know, I can I can you hear this all the time. I, I can pay my bills. No, we got a good marriage. You know, it's a sort of like settling mindset. Yeah. And, you know, the good life in a in yeah. a way, a good life. What, what I mean by that is sort of the the average life and right. mediocrity is a um, and Ronald Reagan said the soft tyranny of low expectations. Um, mm. I think, I think those things are people like, Oh, I don't need that. I'm not upset about anything. Yeah. But mindfulness and consciousness is to achieve, not survive. Now, right. sometimes if you're, you know, a POW or something and you need to 
do like Admiral Stockdale did and apply stoic principles to make it through a, a Vietnamese POW sure. prison. Yes. But for the rest of us that are not Victor Frankl or Nelson Mandela, we 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 can use this stuff to go somewhere that we would never get to if we were just constantly playing small and in survival mode. And yeah. the problem is, is that the model of capitalism in particular is you can be a raging asshole and super rich and, but you're not happy. Right. At the addiction and suicide rate of the children of billionaires, um, you know, that's a, that's a startling number. So it shows that, you know, that it isn't, that's not wow. the happiness quotient. The happiness quotient is to be okay with your own mind. Yeah. In my opinion. Totally. Is there anything I said during this talk that you want to circle back on and um, that you disagree with, and then I'll do the same back to you. Mm -hmm. Difficult. <laughs> well, the, maybe slightly. So you said okay. something earlier about that not everything is a mindset except maybe poverty. And the way that I look at it is that everything in life is about mindset and mindset to me isn't just like an nlp thing mindset to me is the perspective that i have on myself and right. on the world around me and to me that is can be applied anywhere in the world if you're living in the poorest of the poorest areas it can't now is that easy hell no is that something that i cannot imagine because i've never have been there or and hopefully never will be right absolutely not right but there are examples of people that have done it but I would never take that and say, everybody can do it. You know, it's yes, just change right. your mindset. You know, no, we should give people the tools to change their mindset and we should collectively lift them out of poverty because poverty sucks. You know, and right. nobody should be there, especially not in the level of technology that we have. But clearly from a consciousness perspective, we haven't evolved enough to make that a priority to right. say our number one objective has to be everybody no matter who they are has to live at a certain level and not from a socialistic point of view but mm -hmm. from a place of like let's help one another thrive okay. more That's like right. what you said recently yeah and and where i would and and again that what i mean by poverty is an awareness so thank you for the opportunity to kind of explain that is um if you have opportunity and you're poor and Cato Institute did a deep study on this, that if you drop out of high school, get pregnant with someone that you're not going to have a long-term relationship with and get addicted to drugs or alcohol, you have a 92% chance of being poor. Wow. Now, so what I'm talking about poverty is not the state of income, it's the lack of opportunity. Mm. So if you're in, and I've learned a lot of this from Virginia, coming from Nicar her, her coming from Nicaragua and doing lots of work with the UN back in the day in, in Latin America, is the absence of opportunity. Um, now, right. the if you have an absence of opportunity, the the thing that you that you still have access to mindfulness. Um, it's still there. You can you can learn it, but it is it is. Um, it, it, I think there's a reason why Jesus fed people before he healed them, as I think you have to get some basic human needs. You got to get right. them up Maslow's hierarchy a little bit, and then right. you could be like, hey. Did you know that your thoughts are determining your future? And you kind of get sure. into it. This is why, even though I'm more of a libertarian, I'm a, I'm a big fan of universal basic income as a baseline mm. economic model instead of um, you know welfare style um, uh, social network, right. because because that that 
that I want everyone to be more conscious. That's my thing. I want everyone to be more conscious, even if it's just 10% more. But if you're trying to do that in an environment where it, there really is no opportunity, yeah, you got to take care of that baseline first. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm with you totally all the way. I think providing people with opportunity is is really the number one priority that we should focus on. And to your point, if you're in a state of survival, you shouldn't think about abundance. That's right. Like, this is also, I don't really use mantras. I'm not one of them. I use declarations yeah. that come from an emotional place. But I will say this, there's one mantra that works every time. When you're feeling any sense of anxiety or fear or anything, take deep breaths and just repeat, I am safe. Mm -hmm. I am safe. Mm -hmm. As long as you're really safe, right? If there's a bear coming around, don't say I'm safe. Or, just yeah, or, yeah. run, right? But but mostly any kind of uh, fear-driven consciousness is created under the idea that there's a threat. Mm -hmm. Something is out there to get me. And so safety when you're living in actual poverty should be the first priority of order to get people into a place of safety, right? Uh, sanitation, food, housing, um, community, all of that. And, you know, I live in Cape Town in South Africa. That's a real issue there, right? Safety right. isn't provided in many places and people live in that constant struggle. And so going there and saying, just meditate and right. just open your <laughs> mind, that would yeah. be ridiculous. Right. Yes. And it's similar, I mean, to the mission, the missionary work, and that's fine, I guess, but you know, the, it's a, yeah. And I think that when, when we look at consciousness through the, the through, through the lens that if you're in a, you know, a, a, a country with opportunities, when you say you're in survival mode, you are not in survival mode. You're in existential mode. That's where you're at. You're in existential mode, which means you are fully capable through your thinking of making it worse. Now, I think he's entirely fucked up his brand, but Jordan Peterson once said, uh, most people don't think they remember. And he also said, when you're in a, 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 a mental crisis, um, ask yourself, how am I making this worse? Um, I think that, I think that's a huge component of people of, of understanding that your brain is not sophisticated enough to tell you that meeting payroll, which is stressful, is the same as the village is going to be invaded and everyone's going to be killed because of the tribe they belong to. You know, those are not, there's no, there's no equivalency there, but our brain doesn't have that sophistication. Only mindfulness can help you understand like, oh, okay, I, I'm scared. I'm anxious. I'm stressed, whatever. Um, and, and so anyway, that's kind of a, just a thought I was looking back to. I don't have anything you said. I was waiting. I was, cause I love to argue, but <laughs> what you said, and, um, well, I'll link to your stuff, um, in the show notes, um, I, I, um, I think you're brilliant. Um, I could have a conversation like this with a number of people, um, but you have a way of articulation and, and being about it that I really, really respect. So thank you so much for spending, uh, your evening with me.
So well, thank you for having me and making the space to for this opportunity and this conversation to occur. And I had a great time and I trust your listeners are able to take a few wisdom nuggets and and please whatever you do, just put it into action. Right. Don't just listen to it for stimulation. Oh, this is great. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> take one thing. Even if it's the, okay, I'm going to step away and just take a few deep breaths. Even if you just do that, I will be so yeah. happy. Yes. Thank you for that reminder. All right, my brother. Thank you.